Hey, everybody, you are listening to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast, where we will be tackling real financial issues so women can eliminate fear and take charge of their lives. I am your host, Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. So let's get to it. I think intimacy with your finances, which is bringing them closer, looking for more information, not with a critical lens, but with a loving lens. Like, what do I need to do to take better care of myself? What does my money need from me for me to take better care of it? How can we be in a more peaceful relationship that doesn't involve us like going to different rooms in the house and slamming the door, (laughs) you know? I love that. Hello, everybody. Well, you guys are in for a treat today because this is not going to be your typical fiscal feminist podcast where we're talking about all these granular aspects of investing and retirement planning and blah, 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 blah. This is going to be super interesting. And I really think important because We are getting into the nitty gritty of our psyche and about money and our psyche. And I love this topic because I think money is so integral to all aspects of our lives, whether we like it or not. And we all have, as I've talked about many times with money personalities and languages, we all carry around our little money personalities and many of us don't even know why we have them. So my guest today, she is going to pretty much explain this to us. And her name is Jessie Susanna Carnatz. She's also known as the Money Witch, and she brings capitalism-critical, shame-free education to healers, hustlers, and creatives in order to catalyze change in their financial lives. That's a mouthful, but it basically means she helps us all to get going on this topic and to make some serious changes in our heads to deal with our finances. So she believes in healing our finances, and she believes this is going to bring blessings to our lives, our lineages, and our communities. And I couldn't agree more. She has some very cool things that she's doing, money magic products, intuitive financial coaching. She wrote a book that came out last year called Money Magic, Practical Wisdom and Empowering Rituals to Heal Your Finances. And you can find that on Amazon. She'll give us a little more info about where else we can find her. She is the leader at Money Coven, an online web of magical beings who are healing their relationships with money, showing up for their financial self-care, which I'm all about that, and becoming powerful stewards to their resources. So welcome Jesse, Susanna, thank you for taking your time today and sharing it with us. Beyond thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I really like us getting our information together because, you know, like you're saying, you're way more in the granular and I'm pretty zoomed out in the in the big picture, in the clouds right now. So I think together, you know, it makes a really integral picture. Yep. Sometimes we need to be in the clouds and zoomed out to have that, you know, that perspective looking down Mm -hmm. and figuring out why all the other micro things that we're doing are just a little bit off base. So what we're going to talk about today is manifesting your money goals. And I've always been really interested in what I think is manifestation. I don't know. I want you to talk about what that means and the process of it and how it works in achieving your goals I know at one point when I, I too had gone through a complete Armageddon in my life, 
about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, which my audience knows about. And I went from, you know, having a lot of money to having no money and then going through this disastrous international divorce and just at one point living literally, you know, from paycheck to paycheck. But in any event, when I finally found a job that they, you know, at Morgan Stanley, because it took me a while. I was really old when I was applying. I was in my 50s and, you know, they weren't clamoring to hire 53-year-old yeah, lady. Especially not women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I finally did get this job and, and I was trying to build up my life again, which I did. But I always wanted to get this one certain car. And I had, you know, been, I couldn't justify it until I could, you know, get my financial house in order and pay for all my kids' tuitions and help them get through what they were going through because, you know, they were all getting educated. But I put the picture of the car on my phone as the phone saver thing. And I was, uh, and I just, you know, kind of look at it. It was kind of there reminding me that this is something I really wanted to get one day when I could. And then one day I got exactly that car. And it was like amazing. Like I had manifested it, you know, I had put it in my head and I kept thinking about it and, you know, thinking on it and trying to make moves to get there. And, and it, and it works. So that's kind of how I think about it. Just be, it's pretty rudimentary in my case, but it worked. So tell us all about the process of manifestation. It's about what is the work that you need to like get out of your own way? Like how do you get out of your own way in just making these things happen for yourself? And, and many times we are completely in our own way. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about, or you mentioned in your intro, the thing about money personality And it's like, maybe we know what our money personality is, but we don't know why we have the money personality we have. So that's the work that I really do is helping people understand why they have the money personality they have. I used to joke and it could still come true, but that if I had a podcast, it would be called what your problem is, because really (laughs) what I do is people come to me and I'm just, you know, I'm like, you wanted a session with me. Like, what is it that's going on? And then I help them dig underneath and weave together all of the details. Like I talk to them, just anything that's going on. I ask them about their family. You know, we really talk it out. Like what happened in your childhood? What are the points in your life where, you know, money's been an issue, right? And what was going on for them? I help people identify inner child work pieces that they need to do. You know, just any kind of like spiritual, energetic, emotional issues. And a lot of times we can identify that by taking the practical issue and going in on it, right? Like, okay, I have this business. I'm not doing my bookkeeping or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, I'm in denial or I'm putting it off or whatever. Exactly. We're following it. And that's a lot of what my book talks about. It's like, what are the blocks? You know, like, what are your blocks? How do you get the right tools to like, you know, disassemble them? But manifesting, and, you know, Kimberly, you had brought this up when we talked before the session. My work uses this kind of triangle I call the three angles of healing. So the premise of my work, my my business subtitle is Heal Your Finances. So it's Money Witch, Heal Your Finances. What I mean when I say healing is a movement of energy. We want to experience shift. We want to experience ourself being able to respond differently to something that we've been stuck in in the past. We want to come, you know, full circle to like a moment where we know in the past I might have done this, but now I'm choosing to do this. More intentionality, less impulsivity, less reactivity. That's what I see as healing. When you bring intentionality into it, that means that you're directing that shift in the direction that you want it to go. Right. So the three healing angles, it's like, 
practical, you know, you have to be working in the practical angle. Right. You have what you have. Right. And you have to, you have to do the work in there. You can't just have the therapy session about why you're not asking for a raise. You can't just light the candle to get a raise, right. you know, or put it on your you know, screensaver. I'm going to get a raise or I'm going to make, you know, $150,000 or whatever it is. You have to ask for the raise, right? Like that's the practical piece. You yeah. have to, you know, you got to do that piece. So I think if you want to experience shift and you want to go in the direction that, you know, you're choosing, you want to experience change and shift in that direction, you need to be working in all three of these angles. So one, it's that practical angle. The second is spiritual, emotional. And that's, you know, kind of really where my work lies the most is like helping people excavate what's going on for them as an individual spirit on this earth. You know, I do have my own spiritual lens that I bring to my work and just emotionally, like what's your individual story, experience, path, and how is that showing up in your financial life? And, you know, because I'm the money witch, I do also look at your astrological chart. Yeah, I was going to say, do you bring astrology and tarot into it? Yeah, I bring astrology. I look at clients' astrological charts when I do sessions for them because I happen, you know, it's my personal belief that you can kind of see a blueprint for what your path is and what your soul wants to be doing in this lifetime. Like what's the, the piece of healing and the direction that you need to be headed. I think there's a little bit of like a personal compass in there. And every the places I look at the most, it's like everyone has a direction they need to be growing and things they need to be letting go of. So when we're talking about our plan of like what I think you should be doing, I'm going to be looking at that because maybe you need to actually be focusing, you know, I want to make sure our plan is in alignment with your astrological kind of yeah, forecast. Yeah. And to me, because I am a religious and spiritual person, I see that as being in alignment with what like God wants you to be doing in this lifetime. That's my, you know, I don't need anyone else to, to believe that, but that's why I do it. That's why I look at it. So you're doing like a chart or of sorts for them as well as a tarot reading, as well as deep diving with them into their experiences and mm -hmm. their background, their childhood, all of those things together are kind of getting you to the place where you're going to say to them, okay, these are the things that are kind of negative that you need to let go of. And this is where you might want to put your energy. Do you ever get any pushback from people on that? Honestly, very rarely, you know, and that's partly, that's the shame-free piece, right? It says that I do shame-free education because I'm not usually telling people, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. I often am telling people, here's what I see. And here's what I think your options are. And it's up to you to choose, you know, what you think is going to bring you into alignment. I can tell you what I see in your astrological chart. I can tell you what I see as an intuitive, you know, psychic-ish person. I can tell you what I see after talking to people about their money for 10 years. I can tell you what I see as someone who's prepared taxes and worked with a lot of small business owners. And... I also understand and respect that these journeys, especially emotional journeys, like it can take a lifetime and yeah. that's okay. I don't worry about it because to me, you know, my personal spiritual belief is that we're, we're brought into our body, like our soul is connected with our particular body in this particular moment in time space for a reason. And that emotional work, you know, is a big part of the reason. So I'm like... I don't mind that there's, I just say like, I don't mind that there's work to do. I'm just happy to have a job, you know, like AKA I'm glad I got up this morning, you know? Right. Exactly. So 
So I don't, it's, it doesn't seem like something to me where I'm like, fix this. And then you'll have, you know, you'll have your problems out of your way. Right. It's, it's something that people work out over time and observe different levels of themselves as they work through it. I have my online group money coven. And one of the things that I feel like that space ends up being a lot for people is like a financial sobriety space. And that's what I say it can be a lifelong process, you know, the same way that if somebody is sober, that's a lifelong process for them. The money coven thing, is this like a group of people that you, that come together and have kind of a support group that you're leading or? Yeah, I call it, it's my cult is what I call it. <laughs> it's my worldwide cult of financial self-love and healing. And, and anyone, it's all, everyone can say whatever bothering them or what's on their mind. And- exactly. So I have a, um, I have a platform. And, you know, people have a membership. It's essentially a monthly membership program, but I don't really resonate with that. So the cult thing works better for me. You know, people can talk about different issues daily. You know, there's different conversation. I put out um, a little bit of content every day, like a sort of prompt, something to think about. It might be an affirmation. It might be a question, um, just something to think on. And then we meet up about four times a month. You meet four times a month. That's pretty good. You know, because it keeps them once a month, once a week. Well, and you can tap in when what works for you. If you only come once a month, that's fine. You know, but there's four opportunities. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. And so when you are talking about affirmations and or mantras or whatever you're sending Mm -hmm. out, give us an example of something you're sending out, like just a, a, you know, a mantra or or an affirmation that you send out in the morning or whenever you do it. Give Mm -hmm. us an example of one of those. So in Money Coven, I have six, what I call portals to financial healing. So it's like six different topics that we go through and then we cycle through them again. So every six months we're going through these topics. So for example, this month we're on financial self-esteem. So every prompt or content that I put out this month, affirmation, it's all going to be dedicated to that concept. So one I can remember that we put out at the beginning of the month was... I align my financial behavior with my values and priorities. To me, that's a financial self-esteem affirmation because it is affirming. You know, a lot of people have feelings of like they don't trust themselves, you know, around money. Mm -hmm. They don't um, feel like they've made good choices in the past. They feel like they're bad with money. I say in Money Coven, my tagline is like bad with money is not a personality trait. No, you know, but a lot of people identify with it and they feel like it's so ingrained in them. So, you know, this month, the self-esteem topic is really about like, how can you start both feeling better about your financial choices through things like forgiveness, you know, and moving forward, restoring. And also, how can you start to shift your behavior in subtle ways to really build that muscle of trusting yourself more and feeling like you're a financially trustworthy person and that you're not just like disassociating and, you know, or being self-sabotaging or seeing these, you know, all these things that come up in money. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. 
I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today. When you're not feeling good about money, from your experience, what are some of the reasons why people are feeling like they're not, like they're bad with money? Yeah, I think uh, like we're saying debt or other experiences where they feel like they've made bad financial choices. That's another affirmation. I think that one's in my book, which is like, I forgive myself for all past you know, financial missteps, right? Because people hang on, you know, things happen like uh, people go to college, they take out that first credit card. You know, there's always those predatory credit yeah. cards out there. They charge it up. They don't even realize they're going to have to pay it back. It spirals, you know, and, you know, eight years later, they're still paying it off. And then it really implants in their brain, like, this is a thing that I did and, you know, or I had to be rescued by my parents and they made me feel really bad about it or, you know, whatever it is. So, I think it can be debt, it can be student loans and feeling like you're not utilizing your degree, but you have all these student loans. It can be family baggage where maybe it was your position in the family, you know, depending on if there was like upward mobility was a a goal of your family or if there is immigration status, then it's like maybe it's your job to be professional in a certain way and you have feelings about whether you've done that, but you're you have this set of neuroses that you've developed in your money because of that, or you haven't achieved it and you have your own like feelings of self-worth or lack of self-worth that are tied to that. It can be divorce. It can be, yeah, financial abuse, codependency. It can be experiences of having navigated like to a place of um, basically be existing in your adult life in a different class status or a different earning status than anyone else in your family ever was. And you just being like, I've done this thing, but I don't really know how to handle it, like on a logistical mm-hmm. or a mental level. It can be under earning people with small businesses that aren't charging enough that. Right. Or not often not paying themselves. Yeah. Not paying themselves or something I feel like I've seen a lot with uh, women in small businesses is, you know, women who are very powerful people, very well respected in their community. I say when I do small business uh, work or, you know, when I was doing tax preparation, I say my target audience is healers, hustlers, and creatives. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of, you know, clientele I'm working with. So people who are like incredible artists, incredible healers, really well-respected in their community, oftentimes financially successful and visibly successful in their community. And then they'll come to me and say things like, I haven't filed my taxes in five years. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, yeah. or what, you know, now I'm in X amount of tax debt to the IRS or, you know, they have been running a successful business for three years and they like don't even have bookkeeping. That's insane. Like they have to pay payroll taxes and things. I mean, who's doing it? Depends, you know, there's just so many people hack things together. Right. So, but this is where the shame things come in is, you know, people are like, and I feel so ashamed, right? Like I feel so ashamed And I'm like, it makes sense that you would kind of avoid the financial part because it's the place where you feel the least successful. 
it's going to be much more easy to lean into the community building and the doing your actual service, whatever it is. And Most people don't ever want to think about taxes, so I can totally relate why. I mean, if I could get away with not paying my taxes for five years, <laughs> totally. I'd do it. So well, somebody comes in and says, okay, I, I'm your client. And I say, hey, Jesse, Susanna, you know, I've run this business. It looks kind of successful, smells kind of successful, mm-hmm. but BT dubs, I haven't paid my taxes in five years. Yeah. And I feel bad about it, but I just could not confront it. I couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do next to help me, A, stop feeling bad about it and get mobilized into doing something about it? And then how do I get to the point where I resolve this? Because now the problem is just bigger than anything because I've got to yes. deal with the IRS. There's going to be interest. They're going to be, you know, they're not going to be that great to me about the whole affair. So that's going to be a bit of a thing. So how would you help me? Because I would feel really overwhelmed and scared and a little bit mad at myself. But, you know, like, why did I do that? Well, so that would be part of it, right? Like, why did you do that? So I'm like, you know, walk me through what happened. Like, what what happened over the last five years? Like, you know, tell me about your business. Tell me about how we got here. Tell me about how the systems work. Often at that point, you know, I mean, we're going way in, we're going to childhood, we're going to everywhere, you know. Obviously, yeah, there's a system breakdown if someone doesn't pay their taxes. Yeah, we're we're like really getting into it, you know. So, and also too, I think a lot of people work with me because I have a lot of compassion and it's not a shame, you know, issue. Some people have tried to work with other financial professionals and really felt like they felt stupid, they felt shamed for getting in the situation in the first place, you know, those kinds of things. And I, I'm like, I don't care at all. You know, like there's no judgment at all. And and that's what I say to people too. Like, Hey, there's no shame in having debt. I've had debt many times that I've Mm -hmm. been very big and burgeoning and I've had to really get my head around how to resolve that. And it's taken me sometimes years to do it when I was really up against it, you know, and there was just nothing much I could do about it. And we all are humans and have all these things that occur in our lives. And then we all have our own our own frailties. Yep. I, I think money and self-esteem are very tied up. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that a lot of your work might be trying to like maybe disassociate that or? It's just more about building that muscle. Like what can you do to start acting in a way that you will be proud of? Or like, what does that look like for you? What does it look like to act in alignment with your priorities and your values? You know, like, what does that look like if you were stepping up to, you know, handle the situation? So for example, with the person who had filed taxes in five years, I think first acknowledging like, okay, congratulations, you're taking a really big step for yourself. Like even coming to this meeting. Yeah, that's a big step. You're taking care of yourself. Like, good job. Thank you for doing that. And at that point, right, like these things get overwhelming. People need help breaking it down to make a plan. So in a situation, you know, and they also need confirmation that, you know, for specifically with the taxes, I feel like I can debunk a lot of things, right? Like the IRS is not coming to your door. They honestly don't even care as long as they get their money eventually. Yeah. You know, all you have to do, like this is a mess, but it's clean upable. You know, it's like when you have a kid and they're like looking at their room, it's a total mess and they're like, I can't. Yeah, it looks so big. It looks like Mount Everest. Exactly. Right. You just have to start picking up one thing at a time. So it's just like, okay, let's break down every year. Let's break down what happened. You know, let's start making the spreadsheet. Do you have bookkeeping or not? You know, get it together because all you really have to do is file your taxes. So it's helping people get a plan 
talking to them so that they feel confident that they can, they can do it, you know, because by that point, they're often feeling like if I, you know, their self-esteem has been so decimated by the fact that they're like observing themselves not showing up. And that's how I define self-esteem is like, you're observing your own behavior, even it's just happening on a very subconscious level, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like if you have a friend who's always saying, oh, blah, 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 you know, about I want to do this or I'm going to do this. And then you just notice them like not aligning their behavior with what they say. And that goes on for five years. Like, you know, you might love them. You have compassion for them, but your esteem of them on a certain level is going to go down, right? Of course. It's going to drop. And you're going to kind of have an opinion like this is somebody who doesn't really take care of themselves. They're not really willing to do what it takes to like, you know, be in alignment with like what they really want and need in the world. And, you know, that's unfortunate, right? Because they're probably really awesome, you know, or they wouldn't be your friend. So that's how we see ourselves too, right? Like, it's like, even if you love yourself, you know, or you're a confident person or you're confident in certain areas, you might still observe yourself not showing up for the things that you know that you need or that you want. And that really starts to beat down your, the way that you esteem yourself, you know, the esteem in which you hold yourself. So starting to get the support that you need in order to take the action, you know, start taking better care of yourself. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the most important thing is however you have to get there. If you, if you need support, find the support, Yeah, find the guidance and don't, and, you know, make sure it's a safe environment so that you can then work through why you're kind of paralyzed and you're not yeah. doing what you need to do, or you're kind of undermining yourself by taking actions that are really against your own self-benefit and your self-good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what is really fascinating is, you know, you're basically kind of a spiritual, psychological bookkeeper, tax preparer, coach. <laughs> it's a great combo. Mm-hmm. But I'm now I'm retired. I'm two years retired from tax preparation and loving, loving it. But Loving life, yeah, right? Loving Not life. having to worry about all that <laughs> stuff because I know my tax accountant is like, got, gets lots of emails from me. I know, exactly. But I have the background, you know, so I can bring, you know. Yeah. So you can give people some really, you know, substantive advice. So how do you balance, you know, getting people to take this inspired action towards their goals or financial goals while also lo- allowing kind of this higher power, spiritual mm. energy to guide them as well? You have to co-create. Like you have to show up to co-create, you know, with with the universe, with God, with creator, however, you know, higher power, whatever that looks like for you. You know, you're going to be taken on a path no matter what. It's like, do you want to get proactively involved or not? You know, do you want to be a part of like creative life design for yourself or, you know, or just get taken on it? But it's both, you know. So a lot of times kind of in the spiritual world, when you do a spell or a ritual or, you know, a prayer or something, you can say, you know, or something else to the highest, you know, good of everyone involved. So there's always that piece of like, this is what I want for myself. And, you know, I also recognize that maybe I don't have all the information, you know, there's, right, right. you know, and so if there's something about my plan that is not really in my best 
interest, like, you know, universe, please come and assist me in getting where I need to go with it. And I know this, I mean, look, not trying to sound all airy-fairy here, but, you know, I can say, honestly, when I was at my lowest and I really, I could not figure out how I was ever going to get out of this mess I was in and I had three children and, you know, they were in various levels of education that, you know, obviously needs paying for. And, you know, just trying to keep a roof over our head and health insurance and all that. It got to the point where I was just so overwhelmed. And, you know, I have a background. I was a lawyer. I was a banker. You know, I'm, I have, you would not think someone like me should be overwhelmed. Like maybe I know all this stuff I should have been doing, but my personal life and I hadn't been doing it for a while. And I lived in this other country. So I came back here and I remember just one night I had just hit the point of no return. And I kind of like looked up and said, okay, you know, I'm going to just let the universe, God, put opportunities in front of me and help me through this because worrying is getting me nowhere. It's actually paralyzing me with fear. So I'm going to let the universe kind of produce opportunities for me. And I'm just going to explore as many opportunities I can hope that one of them pans out to be the right one. And I had to kind of keep reminding myself that the world is an abundant place and that I need to be thankful for what I did have, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if you don't think about that, then you're constantly going around in this circle that will undo you. So how do you explain the importance of to your clients or your your people in your group about how does gratitude and abundance figure into this with spirituality and then um, them also then going on to take the actions that they need through mm-hmm. their own hopefully newfound self-motivation? Yeah, financial abundance is one of my six portals. So um, along with financial self-esteem, and we did that last month, actually, it was my sixth one. Um, So it was there in June. And I use the definitions of scarcity and abundance that are sort of based on a book that I really like called The Trance of Scarcity. And that is that scarcity is the sensation that there is not enough. I am not enough. There is not enough. Things are for other people, but not for me. So abundance I see on the other side of that circle, which is I am enough. There is enough. Things are for me just as they are for other people. I am just as deserving. So one of the big teachings that I do around abundance is that we have to be, I call it abundance from the void. We have to be tolerant of the cycles of nature if we're going to say that the world is naturally abundant, then that means abundance looks like nature. And nature goes in cycles. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just go up, 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 up. I say, if something Mm -hmm. looks like this, a straight line, you know, a triangle line, that's capitalism. That's not nature. You know, nature is like circles, spirals. So that means, you know, the fall and the winter are also part of the abundance cycle. And if what you need in order to feel confident that you are working in alignment with abundance and divine abundance is to always be seeing results that get increasingly better, you're going to freak out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to be disappointed. It's not possible. It's not possible. And also for me, I've learned most of my life's lessons that have really corrected my situation Mm -hmm. from times where it was winter. 
the winter part of the cycle. Yep. And that caused me to, you know, to do some self-probing and thinking about what I could do to get out of it and sometimes suffering and sometimes relinquishing myself to the universe. But it caused me to think and, and take the next step. And, you know, life is not, you know, one bowl, big bowl of cherries, you know. I mean, we are going to have our ups and downs. And it's really how you can navigate those moments that exactly. it really adds up to how happy you're going to be, I think, in this world with, without mm-hmm. it The bowl of cherries is for summer, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I love this different take on things, right? We all tend to be very kind of factual in this mm-hmm. realm of, of money. You know, do this, 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 and that. And, you know, I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, A Financial Wake-Up Call for Women. And I, I, t- I do try to talk a, l- a lot about the psychology of it, but I'm, I will give you tangible steps to take. So you have a toolbox and you're not like, okay, I feel ready to do it now. What do I do? But I also think that a, a lot of this business of self-esteem and money and background and, you know, just our own kind of spiritual natures, like even understanding your astrological, you know, personality they all go together to kind of get us to the end game of where we're at and who we are. And I love that you're kind of exploring this from a different perspective because for me, the more people are talking about the relationship of money and self-esteem and our personality and our happiness and our health and everything else, there's no downside to that. Exactly. However, we get to that end game of helping people. And I really like that you're taking this kind of different approach. So in the interest of time, because I'm so intrigued by this, and I could do a whole thing on. I'm going to send you my book, you. and we. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be calling you up and be like, I don't know, do you do astrological charts? You know, mm-hmm. because I'm totally into all of that, and I've had some amazing tarot card readings. Oh my god, when I was trying to figure out to move from London to California, because this was a huge move for me to do. It was very a big move in my life. I was just you know, finally went to a a lady who did the tarot card reading and it was really amazing and uh, the stuff that she said. And then so I moved and in retrospect, I think back to that tarot card reading that happened maybe 15 years ago and think how unbelievable accurate it was in some ways is how things developed. And the fact that I did it and it just gave me clarity and it helped me to, to push on and do it. So what um, recommendations for, or what would you, advice would you give to people right now who are really kind of, oh, they're just floundering, you know, they, this money thing is like doing them in and they just don't know how to get out of it. They're in a vicious cycle. What advice would you give someone to kind of stop the madness? I think the advice I would give is your finances need more love, not more willpower. So a lot of times when we're trying to shift something in our financial life, we're operating from a shame-based place. And Shame we get, and dread. Mm-hmm, and we get into this willpower ethic thing, you know, where we're like, I'm going to just do the, try the same thing that I've already been trying and I'm going to try it again, but this time I'm going to do it better because I'll be a better person and I'll just do it. And I don't think that is very self-loving or very wise, right? Like we really have to dig in and look at like, what needs to iterate in the plan? If there's something that you just cannot get done, whether it's making a budget, doing your bookkeeping, 
you know, filing your taxes on time without filing extension, you know, any of these things really start looking at like why that is and how can you iterate the plan to try something different. And it's totally fine to try something different and have that not work. That is creativity. That is pivoting. That is iteration. Like you have to do it. You know, we can't have that fear of failure. We have to, you know, you have to be able to get creatively involved, try things and go from there. So I would say, work towards being self-loving, which is not the same as being enabling, right? It's about compassion and self-knowledge and really wanting it to work. So I think intimacy with your finances, which is bringing them closer, looking for more information in a way of not with a critical lens, but with a loving lens, like what do I need to do to take better care of myself? What does my money need from me for me to take better care of it? How can we be in a more peaceful relationship that doesn't involve us like going to different rooms in the house and slamming the door, (laughs) you know? Like how can we actually like get together and get on the same page asking yourself what you need? Like what is it that is coming up when you try to do these things that you're not able to do? Asking your money, your money probably needs you to know more about it too. Exactly, exactly. I love that. Yeah, there's a huge difference between a friend that you talk to once every six months and you guys catch up and someone you talk to every day. And there's a different level of intimacy and a different level of responsiveness that you're able to offer. And it's the same with your money. Like if you only talk to your money every six months, you know, then you'll have a certain kind of relationship and you might care about each other, but you probably don't know that much about each other. And you're not really going to be able to respond or even notice when it's in crisis. And that's like the overdraft fee, you know, like you didn't even know that you You didn't didn't have the money in your account because you weren't asking your money every day. Like, Hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah. I, I love that. I love the way you phrased that. I think knowledge is power in everything, but certainly in your money, your money should be your best friend, not in the way like where you're this like crazy saver and you never spend it, but in the way that it's a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. It's a means to allow you to accomplish all these wonderful things you want to do, whether it's have a business or help other people or go on vacation, whatever it is. But if you have, you know, make sure, you know, save for your retirement, whatever that is, but money is so integral. And I love the way that you're phrasing it. It, think of it like as a friend that needs more love, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll, open your eyes to some of the stuff that you've been doing, not to give it the love it deserves. Yeah. I think that's just absolutely poetic and very, very true. So you're a very, very wise woman. Thank you. I can understand why you also have the name Empress of Fortune. (laughs) Oh, Empress (laughs) of Fortune is, yeah, that's my coaching program. So that is the way, um, if you want to work with me one-on-one, that's the the container that I do it in. It's a three-month coaching container called Empress of Fortune. So So tell us uh, all the different things that we can do with you and then everyone will reach out. And also, um, don't forget to check out the book, Money Magic, Practical Wisdom and Empowering Rituals to Heal Your Finances, which is on Amazon and maybe some other book platforms. But Mm -hmm. tell us all the different possibilities that we can check out to hear you. Fabulous. So everything is at moneywitch.com. So just moneywitch.com will take you everywhere you need to go. I'm very active on Instagram at money.witch. 
And um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I post on somewhat sporadically. And the main ways to work with me at this time is to either be a member of the cult, Money Coven. um, And that is a, you know, there's a link to that on my website or to work with me one-on-one through my three-month coaching container. And um, you can put in an application for that. We sort of accept a new batch of people every three months. And uh, if you're interested in that, you can fill out the form on the Empress of Fortune tab on moneywitch.com and we'll get back to you to set up a call. And I do also make these money magic products. So it's kind of the same, you know, the things you would find in a little magic shop or botanica. I have like a salt and a money magic tea and some oil. Money is sexually attracted to me, anointing oil. Um, <laughs> I love this. And I make different uh, gem essences to deal with different financial issues. So I make one to deal with debt. I make one to deal with releasing ancestral money patterns, one for financial wow. reparenting, one for, it's called level up. So it's sort of like, okay, you need to just, you, know, you just need a little boost to go to the next level. So let me ask you one quick question. When you do do these, how many people are usually on a session? Yeah, maybe 40 to 50 folks at a time. And sometimes very few. It really depends. It's so funny because as an astrological person, you can kind of see like some months people do not want, you know, it's like no one wants to come. Some months everyone wants to come. Some months people want to come, but they want to be quiet, you know, and some months everybody wants to share. But So it's not overwhelming, but there's enough people that it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. It's a very sweet group. You know, it's building. This is my first year of having it. So it's about seven months old and you know, it definitely is going to build over time. But I think it's a very supportive group. And I have seen a lot of people feel really happy to have a space where they can just talk about money and people are interested in it. Right. And also a space where they can be really open about what's going on and not feel judged. And everybody just wants you to you know, get what you need and feel seen and validated and, you know, do better. So we have different events throughout the month. You know, there's a new moon gathering. There's a teaching on the topic of the month. I do sometimes a Q&A one. We do a study hall, which is like uh, my assistant holds that space. And, you know, people can just come and work on their budgeting or their, you know, whatever financial oh, yeah. tasks they need to get I done. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of, you know, we go around the basis. I do a quarterly uh, business coven group right before the the estimated tax payment is due quarterly, you know, to help people kind of get their bookkeeping uh, summed up and make their quarterly payment. And it's people at all different levels. You know, there's a lot of small business owners and a lot of people who aren't. And people are at all different levels of capacity with what they know or don't know or are interested in. Some people are working on paying off debt. Some people are working on investing and saving more. But everybody is coming with that kind of, you know, compassionate, shame-free lens of just wanting to be more present with their money. Yep. I think this is wonderful. A shame-free environment where you can get some support. You can talk about money without, you know, everybody rolling their eyes and kind of glazing over because Mm -hmm. everyone in the group is in the same position and wanting the same thing. Well, I am so happy that I got this opportunity to have Jessie Susanna on this podcast today because I think she is an incredibly interesting woman and, you you know, definitely fills a niche that I don't think anyone else is doing. So I would say check her out and I'm going to read her book. And, um, you know, who knows, we could come back for part two 
to go through all of that stuff. Definitely. But yeah, it's been awesome. So guys, thanks for listening today. I hope that you guys, you know, really took something away from this about how the why is so important about our actions and why we do the things we do. And that's as important to explore as maxing out on your 401k. So, you know, there's a lot of elements to this, but our psyche, our mind, why we do things, just so important that we think about that. And we've got a lady here who's going to help you really get into that. So Jesse, Susanna Carnats, she's the gal to go to. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time. Thank you for listening today to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And I would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at The Fiscal Feminist or check out the website FiscalFeminist.com. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.